Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 14. We're going to start at verse 23. If you don't have your Bible, maybe you have your electronic Bible, you can follow along on the app, follow along uh, on the screens. The Word of God would say this, The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptian says, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. I wonder if there's anybody in the house tonight, if I have any believers in the house tonight that believes and knows that God is fighting for you. Come on, do you believe that tonight? Yeah. And if God is for you, right, who in this world can be against you? Who, who, who could even imagine that they would try to fight against you if they knew that God was for you? If God is for you, who can be against you? And, and, and guess what? If God is on your side, no weapon formed against you or you or you shall prosper if God is fighting for you. Isaiah 54, 17, if God is fighting for you, there is no weapon formed against you that shall prosper. Now, be clear, it didn't say that there will not be any weapons that will come against you. Doesn't say, no, no, no. There, it's very clear that there will be weapons that come against you. But uh, on conception, when these weapons are being formed, somehow in the beginning stages, there's just something in them when they go to fire against you that they will not prosper, that they will backfire, that it will be a dud. Now, they're going to come against you, but they're not going to be able to overtake you, in fact. The weapon will jam and it will actually push you and propel you towards a greater purpose in Christ Jesus. I feel good tonight. Verse 28 says, The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. See what I'm saying? Backfire. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, and not one of them. Survived. When God is fighting for you, things just tend to turn out okay. I can't explain it. I don't have a formula on exactly how he does it, when he does it, how he... He just does it. And it tends to work out, at least it did in this situation. And I can testify in my life that it's worked out every time that I allow him to fight for me. Not one weapon worked not not one thing that the enemy brought against them worked it only strengthened their resolve and i love i love this passage and i love the sense of victory that we see the the sense of triumph that we see in this passage of scripture 
And I believe tonight, over the next few moments, we're going to pull some things out of the Word of God from this story uh, that's going to help us walk out of here differently. And I want to look at one other scripture that I, we're, we're going to tie in later um, this evening as well. It's found in the book of Acts, chapter 8, and verse number 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. For a few moments tonight, I want to talk to you on this subject. The chase is on. The chase is on. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your house tonight. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds for what it is that you want to do in us. God, we are here for you. We're here to grow. We're here to learn. We're here to leave differently than the way that we walked in. Bless us tonight. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. 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 The people of God were on the run. They had been enslaved in Egypt for centuries. And they're, they're getting out and they're marching out boldly because they believe that God is with them. And I found it's easy, isn't it? And maybe you found this to be true in your own life. That it's easy to be bold before the battle begins. It's easy to walk with confidence before the actual battle starts. You, you've seen it play out in high schools. Remember a, a few years ago, right, when you were in high school, you hey, meet me around the back of the gym, and then inevitably, somebody doesn't show up. You know, before the fight, it's easy. Yeah, meet me. Everybody's there. Let's go. And then, oh, they think about it for a second. Like, yeah, you're a lot bigger than me, and I, I don't want to get hurt. It's easy to walk in confidence before the battle. It's easy to be bold when all the bills are paid. It's easy to be bold when everything's going your way and you have a tailwind in life, so to speak. And that's exactly where the children of Israel find themselves at the beginning of their journey. It's almost as if they have a, the wind at their back. Everything is rolling right along the way that it should. But at some point in their journey... As they approached the Red Sea, they began to hear a sound. And it's the sound of the enemy. They began to hear footsteps. They began to hear the sound of the horses', horses hooves slapping against the ground. They began to hear the sound of chariots as they approach. Pharaoh, as you know, our Bible shows us, has deployed 600 of his choice chariots to bring back the people that represented his workforce. And so when they hear the enemy and the horses rolling and the chariots crackling, this boldness that they, they walked out of Egypt with is now bowing in the face of the battle. They hear the sound of the enemy, the sound of the hooves, the sound of the chariots' wheels. Maybe they heard the sound of the whips as they hit the back of the horses coming full speed faster and faster and faster as they approach. I wonder tonight if there's anybody in the house who has ever been chased by something. You've gone through life and you found that it just seems like every turn that you make, every, every time you, you do something for God, it just feels like there's something chasing you and you, you can't get away from it. Chased by a decision you made when you were a teenager, chased by something that happened to you that was totally out of your control. Have you ever been chased 
by something. Let's be honest tonight, right? It's scary to hear the sound of the enemy on your heels. It's scary to hear the sound of the horses as they approach at full speed. It's scary to hear the sound of the chariots and the drivers as they crack their whips when the chase is on and you're on foot. Not only does it say that the horses and the chariots were chasing them, it gets a little more interesting here. But it says that they eventually caught up to them. Now that's, that, that's exciting. You're right, yeah, we're okay, God, what, what are we doing here? Now, not only do you hear the sound, but now the sound is literally right at your backs and they have, they have caught you. And I wonder again tonight, if you've ever found yourself in this situation where, where now what, what seemed to be a chase and at some point you were able to keep some distance between you and whatever it is was chasing you. But after a certain amount of time, right, you can't run from it any longer. You can't hide from it any longer. You can't keep running faster and faster because you, you've simply run out of steam and there's just no place else to go. In verse number 9, it actually says this, that the chariots overtook them. I've discovered in my short 33 years here on earth that each and every one of us human beings is running from something. We're running from something or someone, even if that someone is our very own self. It might be a fear, it might be an anxiety, it might be an imagination, it might be guilt. But we, you, I, are constantly being chased. Come on, look at somebody next to you and tell them the chase is on. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say the chase is on. Yeah. And the Israelites were, they're so afraid in this moment of of what's happening to them and what's about to take place in their lives. In verse 12, they say this, we would have rather lived in captivity, think about this, than to die in freedom. You don't say that if you're not scared out of your mind. You don't say that if you're walking around in boldness like, you know what, I know my God is for me. And if he's, no, 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 you say that when you're terrified, when your mind has been overrun with negative thoughts, thinking, listen, there's no way that we're going to be able to recover from what's about to happen to us. We would rather, no, 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 we don't want to die in freedom. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing how looking back can take all of your faith out of your present and out of your future. And I want to tell you tonight on this Wednesday night that as long as you are looking forward toward the next thing that God has called you to do and the next step that he is calling you to take, all you will ever see is the waters parting in front of you with every step that you take. But hear me, when you start to look back, all you will see is the horses approaching at full speed and the chariots bearing down on you and you'll start to wonder, is there any way that I'll ever be able to get away from this? It's amazing how looking back can decrease your faith so tremendously. Before you, 
The waters are parting behind you. The enemy is closing in. And and I I want to pose this idea tonight. Could it be that your faith is dependent on which direction you choose to look? Could it be that your faith is dependent on which direction you choose. Will will you keep looking back and be terrified by the sound of the enemy as they approach? Or tonight, will you choose to look forward and see what lies before you as the waters part, as you take steps of faith and watch what God can do in your life? And so they're running and they're running and for some reason, God allows the chariots and the horses to catch up with them but not kill them. This is perplexing to me. Why why would God allow the chariots and the horses and the enemy to catch up to them, to overtake them, and not kill them? It doesn't really make sense. Like This isn't typically how it would work, is it? I mean, if the enemy catches you, they're going to do whatever it is that they have come to do to you. But God allows them to to overtake them, but not to kill them. And here's a thought process on it. Listen, I I can't say that this is exactly true, but here's what I, I believe to be the case. I don't think it's the horses and the chariots that kill the children of God or kill the faith of the believer you got to hear me tonight. This is where we're going this evening. I believe oftentimes that it's comfortability and complacency are the very things that take the faith of a believer. We've already said that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. So it's not the horses and it's not the chariots that are going to take you out. It's not the horses and the chariots that are going to destroy your faith. No, it's that moment when you get some freedom and you say, you know what, I I think it's okay for me to just coast a little bit as a Christian. I think it's okay for me to just relax and not be as passionate as I once was. It's okay for me to get complacent in my faith. It's this moment of comfortability, this moment of complacency. Chariots can't kill you. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus says, I, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, even if you die, you live. If you've got the resurrection power of Jesus living on the inside of you, chariots can't kill you. Horses can't kill you. The enemy that's coming against you can't kill you. Even if you die, you live. They can make some noise, they can kick up a lot of dust, they can be real, real loud, but they cannot destroy you. And even if they catch me, right, we, we've already read in Exodus, right, the 25th verse, it says that God will jam the wheels up of their chariots in rescue of you. I don't know what chariots seem to be chasing you around. I I don't know what enemy seems to be on your tail chasing you every turn that you make and every move that you you choose to walk and roads and paths that you choose. I, I don't know what enemy it is that is chasing you tonight. 
but I know that they can't kill you. I know that they might overtake you for a moment, but they can't destroy you. Not the true part of you, not not the faith, not the soul. The only thing that can derail your destiny, hear me tonight, is your complacency. Is my complacency. The only thing that can stop you is if you choose to stop moving. As long as the Israelites kept moving, miracles followed. Miracles will always follow a child of God in motion. In motion towards the next step. Miracles will dry up the moment that you choose to stop. The moment that you choose to get complacent. As long as you move, even if you're afraid. As long as you show up, even if you're scared. As long as you have the mindset of, God, I'm staying focused on what's in front of me. Lord, I hear the horses and I I hear the chariots behind me. But I know that it's just a matter of time. Before you use this for your glory and you do something in this moment. Miracles will always follow a child of God in motion. And maybe, maybe that's why God did it. Could it be, maybe it's why God allowed them to overtake the Israelites. Could it be that he knew That if there wasn't something chasing the children of Israel, that they might not move. Before we get mad at God, can I just stop and talk for just a moment? Before we get mad at God because we feel like that the enemy is attacking us from every single side, every moment of our life. I I just want to ask you a question and I ask myself the same question. Why don't we stop and step back and say, listen, is there a place in my life where I have grown too comfortable in the freedom that I have? Have I grown complacent? In my relationship with Jesus Christ, do do I still burn with the same passion for the things of God? Am I still pursuing a relationship with Him as passionately today as I did the day that He saved me? For you see, He loves you, He loves me, He loves us more than that to allow us to get comfortable and complacent because too comfortable plus two complacent is a perfect recipe for lukewarm Christianity. And it's almost, isn't it? It's almost as if the children of Israel did better with Egypt on their heels than they did once they were safe. passage says something very interesting verse 23 it's very simple says the egyptians pursued them in essence the israelites were running from the egyptians we we, we've determined that tonight but god got involved they were running from the egyptians but but god got involved And I want to tell somebody tonight who is going through a situation and you're wondering if God's going to ever get involved in what you're dealing with. 
or if he's just going to leave you hanging and leave you out to dry. Listen, but God got involved. And can I tell you, God always knows when to get involved. God knows the right time to get involved in your situation. I know the enemy may be approaching quickly. And you may be wondering, I don't know how we're going to make it to tomorrow. But can I reassure you tonight that when God gets involved, he always knows when to get involved. If he gets involved too soon... We won't learn the lesson that we need to learn. We will get comfortable. We'll get complacent because it's in the DNA of how you and I are wired. And I love it. It's almost as if, it's, this is true, isn't it? It's almost as if the horses and the chariots are warring against our complacency. So the Bible tells us that they were on the run. I love this. This is you can't make this stuff up, folks. I mean, this is amazing. If you if you've ever heard somebody tell you that the Bible is boring, just look at them and ask them, "Have you ever read the Bible?" Seriously, watch this. This is the God that we serve. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficult driving. What? Don't mess with my kids. It's what you would do for your kids if somebody's messing with you. If they're messing with your kids, you're going to do whatever it takes. You're going to call the principal and say, my child's been bullied. God says, listen, you're messing with my child. Hang on just a second. No, you can can get real close to them, but you're you're not going to get my kids. Uh, That's not the way it works. Not, Not for me. And now... Now all of a sudden, God starts chasing what was chasing his children. (laughs) Ah. And we say, God, do you love me? God starts chasing the very thing that is chasing his children. And the Egyptians said, this is one of my favorite parts. Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. The Israelites are thinking, let's get away from the Egyptians. The Egyptians are thinking, let's get away from the Israelites. Can I tell you a little secret tonight? The devil has more reason to be afraid of you than you have to be afraid of him. And it's not because how smart we are. It's not because how talented we are. It's not because how great we are. You want to know the reason why he has to be more terrified of us than than we are of him? Because God is fighting for us. Because we don't fight our own battles. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he says, listen, there's no weapon that is formed against you. There's no weapon formed against you or any one of us. That will prosper. It's time that the children of God throw their shoulders back, throw their head back in the air and walk with confidence. And it's not because of how great we are, it's because of how great He is. I'm not talking about a, uh, just a holier-than-thou mentality. That, that's not what I'm talking about. No, no, no. I'm talking about a confidence in God. To know that if he's on my side, listen, there's nothing that I can't walk through. 
There's nothing that can come against me that he's not going to deliver me from. That's the God that I serve. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Let's get away from the Israelites. I wonder how many times the enemy has said that about you. Oh, we got to get away from that child of God. The Lord is fighting for you. The only time we lose is when we stop moving. The only time we lose is when we put a permanent residence down where God's saying, listen, I just want you to spend just a moment here. The only time we lose is when we refuse to move. And the text, the way the text reads, right, it would lead you to believe that the children of Israel could have turned around and chased the Egyptians. Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord, they're not, they're not real confident right now. I love that. But I want to change gears. Let, let, let's shift in a little different direction tonight. And I want to, I want to bring us back to that second passage of Scripture that we, we read earlier this evening in the book of Acts. And uh, we're going to revisit that, and we're going to try to tie it together and put a nice little bow on it tonight. But Jesus built a bridge on the cross. This bridge would span cultures. This bridge would span creeds, and it transcends time. So in, in the book of Acts, where this situation is happening with Philip, um, the horses and the chariots of the Roman oppression are chasing the church, trying to make them extinct. And the more and the more oppressed they are, the more that they seem to grow. And Philip, Philip is having revival in Samaria. Things are good. God is moving in Samaria. Everything is going along as planned. Everything is good. And since everything is good for Philip in Samaria, it really makes this passage of Scripture that much more odd. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. Philip never asked, where, 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 where am I going? Where, where are you trying to send me? He just starts out. There's a word in there for some of us. You just got to get started somewhere. Sometime you, ju- you just got to get up and you just got to go when you don't feel it. You just got to get started on the way. And it continues, it says, so he started out and on his Way. Don't miss this. This is a powerful path on his way. Isn't it amazing what happens in life between destinations? Isn't it, isn't it amazing what happens in life between jobs, between relationships? It's amazing what God will do along the way. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. So evidently, this, this gentleman is an incredibly important 
individual, a, a VIP of sorts, if you will. This guy isn't just important because of who he is, but he's also important because who he's connected to, the queen. And it seems strange, really, if you think about it for a second, it, it seems really odd that things are going so well in Samaria for Philip, but he would be called to leave. But, but things are, this is what's supposed to be happening. I mean, everything is just is the way it's supposed to go. Life change is taking place, and he, he's called out of Samaria. Called out of this moment of revival. And maybe it was less about who the man was and more about what this man would carry that was so important for God to interrupt Philip. Acts chapter 8 verse 27 continues. It says, the man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So it's evident that this man is searching for something. He's looking for something. He, he goes to, to worship in Jerusalem. And I, I believe, I don't know about you, but I, I tend to believe that we are surrounded more than we ever know by people who are searching for something. And I believe, maybe it's old school church in me, I don't know, but I still believe that God puts people in certain places at certain times for a reason. He puts people in jobs for a reason, in schools, in communities, in churches, in the path of people who are searching searching for something. He, he still puts people in the right place. And so this man has come to Jerusalem. He wasn't a Jew, but he was a God-fearer. And we don't know exactly his reasoning for coming to Jerusalem. But we know while he's there, he goes to worship. And verse 28 says, On his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, and the Spirit told Philip, I want to know if you would do this, right? The Spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Can you imagine doing that on Mopac? <laughs> go to the chariot and stay near it. Slightly over-eager, maybe. I, or maybe just he was just an unbelievable man of God. Philip runs up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? And mind you, in this day and age, it was appropriate and it was custom to, to read out loud and the man asks a question. This is so powerful. The man asks a question that I believe many that surround us are asking every single day. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? Do you understand what, what you're reading? How can I, unless someone explains it to me, how how? How am I supposed to understand what's taking... I, I need somebody to, to help me explain what, what I'm reading. Don't miss this. Verse 31. 
So he invited Philip to come up. Watch this. And sit with him. I wonder tonight how many people's lives have been changed by those three words. Sit with me. Come on, there was a time when you and I, we weren't as pretty as we are now. We weren't as cleaned up as we are now. There was a time when we were out there doing our thing, and then somebody, hey, why don't you come, come sit with me? But, but I, I'm not even, you know, I don't know, that's not for, no, 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 just, just come sit with me. Just sit, I, I wonder if there's anybody in here whose lives have been changed because somebody said, hey, why don't you just come sit with me on Sunday? Come, come sit with me on Wednesday. Come to my house. Let me share the gospel with you. Just, just, yeah, come, just sit with me. share my heart with you for a moment my hopes with you for a moment I love this house I love this church it's for those of you that don't know I have grown up in this church uh, my entire life this is really the only church that I've ever known I grew up in the kids ministry right next door I grew up in the student ministry right next door and to be able to serve in this house every day is a tremendous honor I've seen this church grow in in numbers and people and attendance, but I've seen it grow spiritually. I've seen the things that have happened over the last 33 years of my life in this church. And I've seen God's hand on this house and I've seen his blessings poured out day in and day out at this place. And we've grown tremendously. God has done amazing things. We've got three services on Sunday. We've got a young adult service on Sunday night. They're crowded, they're, they're full, things are happening. We've got a full house on a Wednesday night when you're tired from work and you've been beaten down by, we've got, we've got, God's been good. God's hand has been on this house for a long time. And as we continue to grow, it's going to be really easy It's going to be so easy for us to become complacent in what God is doing in our specific house. It's going to be really easy for us to get comfortable with what God has done and say, listen, we've already got three services. We've got another service on Sunday night with our young adults. We've got life groups. We've got a Wednesday night that's packed out. It's going to be really easy to grow comfortable and complacent. It's going to be really easy for us to say, oh, well, no, no, I'll just let them do it. There's 2,000 people that show up on Sunday. It's really not my response. No, I'm just, I'll let somebody else take care of that. I, I don't, no, there's, I'm okay. Let me talk to you for a few moments. I'll let somebody else take care of the volunteering. I'll let somebody else be the ones to, to say, hey, uh, you, come sit with me to my co-worker. There, there's somebody else from the church that, that works with me. They'll be the ones that share the gospel. Yeah. 
with the person that I work with. It's, it's going to be really easy as we continue to grow, to grow comfortable and complacent. And I want to tell you tonight, as God's hand is continually on this church and his blessings continue to pour out, the more God blesses, the more vital it is for each and every one of us to become more and more like Philip. When God says, go up to the chariot and stay with it, we can't shrug it off saying, no, 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 somebody else will take responsibility for that chariot. God, now that was just me talking, no, no, no. If God speaks to you, if God is tugging at your heart, it's up to you. It's up to me. It's not up to the church individually. It's up to you. We've got to be the type of church, the type of people that will run up to whatever chariot God is calling us and say, hey, will you sit with me? Will you sit me. You know what it takes to grow the kingdom of God? It takes churches full of people who are willing to ask the question, will you come sit with me? People who are willing to chase chariots, to, to be in, in a moment of maybe uncomfortable where, where you walk in and just stay by the chariot. Well, God, this is a little awkward. I don't, you know, I'm not really sure how this is all going to work out. Just stay by the chariot. People, I mean, I'm, oh, wow, this is okay. Will you be willing to continue to chase the chariots that God is calling you to chase? It's going to take people who have determined in their minds and in their hearts that, the chase is still on for me. And we've got chariot chasers all across this room. You'll see them standing at the back. They're wearing the black pullover shirts with the Christian Life Church logo. They're standing all along the walls and in the balcony. We've got chariot chasers next door teaching your, your children and your students. We've got chariot chasers in the parking lot when you drive in and greeting you at the door when you walk in. You, you know why? I mean, it, it's so simple. Because they're passionate about seeing people come into relationship with Jesus Christ. Do, do you think... Do you think the parking lot crew woke up this morning and said, Man, I've been waiting my whole life to put on a yellow vest. And I love standing in the heat in a yellow vest on a hot summer day in Austin, Texas. That's what I just, woo! No, but you know why they do it? Because they love every chariot that rolls into this church. You think, you think the teachers next door that are teaching our two-year-olds woke up saying, Oh God, give me a classroom full of two-year-olds. There's nothing more I'd rather do than change a diaper or deal with spit up or have kids that won't pay attention to me. No. 
Absolutely not. But they love. That one simple invitation to sit with him was so important because it meant now that that, that that individual had to take much more than the treasury back to the queen. He now had to carry back to him the message to the queen. He had to take back what he had learned in this moment. And I want to ask you tonight, are there still people in 2016 that care about the lost being saved? I wonder if there's some people in the house, and I know there are, and I know this might be a rhetorical question, who haven't forgot what it's like to chase a chariot from time to time. Or have we grown comfortable and complacent? And I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to me as well. Where are we? How, how are you? How's your mindset? How's your relationship? As we continue to grow and God's hand is, is evident on this house, we cannot afford to be complacent. We have to stay passionate about the lost. We have to stay passionate about this city. And I don't ever want to assume and then be surprised by apathy. There are still places in this city that need to know Jesus Christ. There's still people that live in your neighborhoods that need to come in relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me? I believe. I believe tonight. Some of us are going to move from churchgoer to chariot chasers. It wasn't in a church service that this man met God. It was on the way home. You wonder why we're pushing life groups so much, wanting everybody to get involved in community because life change happens in church for sure, but it happens on the way home too. It happens in your home. It happens in community. I wonder, let me, I wonder what would happen if everyone in this room chased one chariot this week. If everyone in this room asked one question, will you sit with me? I wonder what would happen. I wonder what the ripple effect would look like if you and I would have the courage and the faith to say, sit with me. What would that look like? What would, what would the church look like next week? What would the church look like next year? If you and I would take the initiative to just somebody, but they're not a... But did you, Because there's people around you that are searching. J- just like this man was. He, there, we don't really know why he was in the city, but we knew he came to work. And he was searching for something. There's people around you that are searching, looking. And they're waiting for somebody to ask the question. It gets better. 
Verse 35, Philip began with that very passage of Scripture. The very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Here's what I love. We start right where people are. You you don't have to get good to come to this church. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to be perfect to walk in these doors. No, 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 no. We'll start right where you are. You can be messed up. You can be hung over. You can be strung out. We will start right where you are and start sharing the message of Jesus. We don't need you to clean up. We don't need you to pretty up. No, 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 no. We'll start where you are. But Brad, they're too messed up. No, no, no. Bring them. And watch what God can do with them. Then Philip, then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. The good news about Jesus always changes everything about somebody's circumstances. In verse 36, it says, as they traveled along the road, they're in motion, they're moving. They come to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's some water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And Philip said, hang on, hang on, we got to check your background. No, 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 that's not it. What can stand in the way of me being baptized in verse 38? Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. In the Old Testament, they went down in the water to die. But in the New Testament, Philip went down in the water with the eunuch and he was raised to newness of life. That's what you and I get the opportunity to do, church. We get the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus and watch people literally come out of the waters of baptism with a clean slate, being raised to newness of life. That's what it's all about. To tell them that there's still hope, that there's a river, that there's something more in life, that there's a peace that passeth all understanding. Lord, I love you tonight. Lord, I love you tonight. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place right now. You know what I want to do? I wish everybody, I know we can't all get around the front, but I wish that tonight, we talked about being in motion and the importance of of moving, and so I want to do that. I wish everybody, wherever you are, take a step, maybe step out in an aisle. If you're at the front, come on down. Just just move just a second, okay? And then then once you move, we're going to do something else. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to pray over you. And I'm going to ask God 
to start putting in your mind the names of people and the faces of people that need to come into relationship with them. People that, that live next to you. People that you work with. People that you can ask the question, will you come sit with me? And then, after that, right, it's up to us. Are we going to have the courage and the faith to, to walk up and say, hey, hey, I'm standing by your chariot. Let's pray. God, right now, in the name that is above every name, Lord, I pray, I pray that, Lord, when we come in contact And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.